0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy and romance and all of the wonderful places they intersect. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. Oh, that's good. I know I say that every day, but boy, is that good. (laughs) Uh, Today is Monday, March March, March, hmm, still March, the endless March, Uh, Monday, December 14th, 2020. Um, I wanted to get that in before I start riffing too much on coffee. I uh, yesterday went out to do some in-person Christmas shopping. Uh, I wanted to buy at least some things locally, not everything online. And there were some things I wanted to be able to go browse for, you know and so that was the first time that I had been out in quite some time and I left the house about 10 30 pretty quiet Sunday morning I had my whole list you know how organized I am uh, made my list of all you know like what I needed to look for and which stores I wanted to visit and I had them sort of grouped by location and in order of when they opened so I knew which ones opened at 10 11 noon So, you know, like we don't have, um, we do have a couple of malls here in Santa Fe, but they are pretty, um, on the smallish marginal side. It's not like a, a big mall that you would go to, to hang out. Um, so I was mostly going to very specific stores, Uh, boutique shops around Santa Fe. A few were not open, um. I was, I was surprised. I thought most everybody would be open at least a little bit because, you know, like there was even this one tiny little boutique store that I wanted to go to. Um, it's a sock store, uh, along the, um, sort of near St. Francis Cathedral, uh, right near Casa Santa. We went in there, mom, you had to remember it. <clears throat> I wanted to go in there and I wanted to go into chocolate and cashmere. Um, although I didn't find anything at chocolate and cashmere this time, or I did find some things, but everything was very expensive and nothing was on sale. It was interesting to see which places had things on sale and which did not seem. Some stores seemed to be very stubbornly clinging to, uh, no sale at all. And chocolate and cashmere, it was like $300 or nothing. So I went with nothing, <laughs> but like this little sock store, the gal working in there, she would only allow two customers inside at the time. And that must've been like, whatever her, you know, they're, they're going with like half capacity kind of thing. And she kept her door open a little bit, but she was good about it. You know, like somebody tried to come in while I and another gal were in there looking at the socks and, you know, cause there's like rows and rows and columns of socks and she, uh and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you to wait outside. And so, you know, it was good. It was good. But other places, like um, one of our local independent bookstores. So I went to four. <laughs> so here's my thing about books. I went to Beastly Books first, uh, which is George R. R. Martin's bookstore. And I was hoping to buy some books for people to uh, turn people on to series and stuff and I was not successful there because you know like their whole shtick is that they carry signed books which is great except that for like three different series I looked at they didn't have it they didn't have book one in the series they only had book two in the series and if you're going to turn someone on to a series you can't do um a book one and so that was kind of frustrating. So I ended up leaving without buying anything at basically books. Um, <clears throat> although I did run into uh, a couple people and got to chat. So that was nice. Yeah. I was going to tell you guys a story, but I decided not to <laughs> See, I don't blab everything. So then I thought, so this sort of threw out my, threw out my careful plan because I was going to go to the Big sock store by Beasley Books, but they were closed and they had a sign up saying that they're only open like Tuesdays through Friday or something. It was like, okay, <laughs> not helpful, but you know what, however you guys are managing it, I guess. Uh, and then I decided, well, I would go to this other indie bookstore in Santa Fe, uh, which I was going to say it should be remain remain unnamed, but I'm going to name it. Um, it's Collected Works, which I, I actually boycott uh, Collected Works as a rule because they are such freaking snobs about romance. Um, they would not carry uh the mark of the Tala because they said they didn't have enough customers interested in romance uh, you know it's like oh okay well you know, i'll screw you guys too so they're they're a nice bookstore nice big bookstore and they've got a great coffee shop in there and i would love to go in there and hang out except that i really hate not feeling welcome you know but I tried to go there and they had signs on their windows saying that they were not open to browsing, that they were open for curbside service only. And I thought, well, okay. So (laughs) I, I, that confirmed some things for me because compared to beastly books where they were working and, you know, working hard, had the people there and investing in being there, uh, you know, not so much collected works where they it's easily. Oh, twice, maybe three times the size of beastly books. And then I tried to go buy one other place and they also have the sign saying that they were doing curbside only. And I stopped in one, oh, actually two other stores, two other stores. Because I like to buy all the grandkids books for Christmas because I figured that's my, one of my jobs in life. And so I, two other children's stores, I browse their books and I found one kid's book, but then I had three other kids grandkids no well three grandkids and two nephews to buy for so (laughs) I ended up coming home and ordering the books from Amazon which I hated doing but you know it's like I mean at Amazon I was able to get find what I wanted right away I could even type in book for a five-year-old boy and it came right up with with Like the top three, one of them was the perfect suggestion. So, so there's that. Um, Otherwise, stores were pretty much open. Everybody was being careful. People were wearing masks, except for a few people who were standing outside smoking. (laughs) I thought, well, there's some irony for you. (laughs) But, uh, so that was my, my shopping day. And oh and and I didn't mean to bury the lead but I did finish the book on Friday. Yay. I finished Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince um actually fairly well on Friday. I got like a 500 words in before actually I think I have this up. I got like got that in before the software board meeting which lasted 2 hours and 15 minutes. Um and then I ended up I think I got, yeah, I just worked one more hour after that and I got um, another 1200 words after that from like 1130 to 1230, 1122 to 1222, if you guys want to be precise. And I finished the book off and it came in at 88 to 80 for my final word count, which actually does include pretty much all the final scenes. I might add a little bit, but I had predicted ending at 80, 88, according to my projections, uh, my percentages. And so I came in at like just over 200 words past that. So I was pretty impressed with myself for my predictions. Good morning, all of you who have joined in. So, so today I will start revising the book. Um, We'll see if it's too soon, too soon. We'll find out, but I'm going to start just from the beginning, doing a read through and seeing uh, how it flows, what I need to have in there. If there's stuff that can be cut. I know there's a couple of things I want to layer in, so it may come out slightly longer. And then I will, and certainly cueing some of the uh, magic at the end that I figured out. Uh, The ending is kind of cool, I think. I hope. Um, And then I will give it to the beta readers to read over Christmas if anybody has time. And I have to turn it into the copy editor. I think January 4th is my due date. So uh, well in time to have it out on the promised date. And we should have a a a cover anytime soon. So that's good. I did want to talk a little bit about some of the things I discussed last week with my disappointed hopes Uh, and and I may have framed that too strongly and I feel like I did frame it too strongly because I got some very sad comments from people both in public and private uh, saying things like you know if you can't make it in trad can anyone and I feel like that's really drawing much too strong of a conclusion from this. And that's why I feel like using the analogy of, um, you know, exposing her to the scorn of society for disappointed hopes. Um, in that case, that's life or death, right? That was disappointed hopes meant whether or not she would live a decent life or forever be a burden to her family. And that's not, um, That's certainly not the case here. And it's like, that's why I feel like the can't make it in trad is taking it way too far. Um, just because we did not, we're not able to sell dark wizard to St. Martin's on the option. And just because agent Sarah felt like she couldn't, uh, successfully sell it to trad, um, in the current marketplace doesn't mean that I can't make it in traffic. It doesn't mean you can't make it in traffic. Um, this is a weird time. I mean, the pandemic has everything messed up. You know, the, the bookstores are closed to browsing, which is the whole, freaking point i'm being good today because we had that panel on saturday that was the the live panel and i'd been cautioned not to use my (laughs) f-bombs so now i'm using freaking instead what the podcast has abruptly gone pg pg 13 i actually have no idea where the line is that this happens to me all the time when people ask me if something like a book or a movie is appropriate for kids i'm like "Uh, i don't know (laughs) I have no idea what's okay for kids. I always think that it should be okay for kids to watch stuff with sex in it, but they shouldn't watch stuff with violence in it. And nobody agrees with me anyway. um, I got distracted, didn't I? So tread marketplace, the way things are right now. um, One thing that's going on is that, and And Sarah said this to me, is that it's, all the publishers are really looking for BIPOC works, the, you know, the black, indigenous, person of color, they want, um, they want marginalized groups. And I am a cishet white girl and they really... It, it would take a lot for them to pick me up right now because they are are really they really are making an effort to pick up own voices books, which is great and that's what should be happening and so I actually don't mind that because i I would rather that um, publishing become more diverse first and and I'm perfectly happy to go self-publish uh, so that means that some of you who are writing from a marginalized perspective, this is a good time for you to reach out. And so you should really consider that. I know a couple of you out there who were feeling sad about the um, if Jeffy can't make it and Tread can I? Uh, You know, you have an edge right now, um, especially as a debut author. Um, And to answer the question that several other people asked is like, no, I am not leaving Tread publishing forever, not by any stretch. Um, I think I just didn't mention it, but Sarah and I are working up a concept that, and she's, um, she's actually sending it to my editor today. That's just like a a little two line concept for a thumbs up, thumbs down. That we think is more solidly in line of what they're looking for from an author like me right now. And we'll see we'll see on on what happens with that it is an idea that I've always wanted to write it's Sarah uh, and I had a long phone call about it uh, and I did mention this you know where we talked about like what was working in our communication and what wasn't and that's part of why I emphasize you should always be willing to talk to your agent if you have one and and be very forthcoming you know because it It is about my career. It's about Sarah's career too, but we need to understand each other. And Sarah went through all of the ideas I've sent her over the years. And she said, what about this idea? This sounds like exactly like something that St. Martin's is hungry for that. There had been a couple of books that they had tried to acquire and another publisher got, and it's like, they want something along these lines, Uh, And I think this idea could fit it. Do you want to write it? And I was like, well, yeah, actually, I've always wanted to write this. Now, one of my fears had been a couple of the ideas that Sarah had thrown my way initially were not things that I wanted to write. And I, I was kind of agonizing about that because I thought, well, and, and I have heard other authors talking about this too, that, you know, being asked to write something you don't care about, uh, is, is the road to ruin. (laughs) I I do think that it's, um, it leads to misery. It leads to misery on the author's part. And I think it leads to not great books. You know, there, there's a certain perspective that if you're a working writer, you should be like a journalist, you know, and you know, you write the story, You, you take the assignment and you write it. I think there's a balance there, especially now that we have the option of self-publishing. I think that for a long time, that was what authors did. And that was why, you know, you would see like your your favorite um, historical Regency, historical romance author suddenly move into romantic suspense and they would be writing these romantic suspense books that just didn't really float your boat. And you're like, well, why did they do that? And it's like, well, probably they were told you know if you want a book deal and then the final thought on this whole thing is that is this is not new um it's just not something that many authors talk about because it is distressing you know you do feel like a failure to some extent and it's it's rejection you know that's one of the things about being an author is that you never stop getting rejected and you know you feel like there should be some point at which that you're you're proof from that. And, and you're simply not. Uh, There are many of your favorite authors who have gone to entirely self publishing. Uh, Many of them have done it because their publisher decided not to continue their series or not to pick up their option or, you know, said, well, think about writing in this other genre. And they didn't want to, uh, yes, m- many of these people have found out they can make more money in self publishing. But, but when they say things like I can control my own work, um, I, I'm trying to think of the general lines that people use. I have more freedom. I have more creative freedom. It's less stressful. I don't feel like I have to be fighting with my publisher anymore. All of these are ways that they are saying that they received no or bad deals. I know of, ugh, I could probably name, I don't know, at least five. I could think of five names right now and probably more if I worked at it. Authors who were um, either kicked on their option from their publisher in like the last three years, last two to three years, or they were low um, given miserably low advances compared to what they'd been getting before. And, and they walked and they went to self-publishing. And I had one friend who, um, talked about, you know, was in tears about it. And she said, they are forcing me into self-publishing and I don't want to for- self-publish, but I can't, I can't take this offer. It's a ridiculously low offer. And You know, it's like, well, you know, (laughs) it's a funny thing, but a lot of authors who would have preferred to stay traditionally published have gone to self-publishing because they felt forced into it if they wanted to be able to make a living at it. And the good news is, is that we can make a living at it. So uh, that's, that's the good thing. So. Um, I just wanted to fill in a bit more on that background. I know that's a little author and industry heavy, but we have all things. I did start out with Christmas shopping. Oh, and the the panel on Saturday was great. And if you did not get to watch it live, there is a recording. I will put it in the show notes. It was, um, it was a great conversation. It was, um, me Grace Straven, Amanda Boucher, and Jennifer Eastep, And we all are friends and enjoy talking to each other. So it ended up just being a very lively and delightful panel. And we all had a good time. It's, it's nice when we get to have fun too. So on that note, with the sun coming in the window, I am going to go get to work. Um, I will remind you that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts and I will talk to you all tomorrow morning. Take care. Bye bye.